Hello and welcome to the Everything With Val podcast. Today I'll be speaking with Raven, who is joining me remotely from the US. Raven is the dream activator. She's the founder and CEO of Activate the Dream, a leadership solutions and lifestyle company. As a professional speaker, she equips high achievers with the techniques and tools to achieve complete success. Raven strategically partners with young professionals to break through limiting beliefs and take action towards achieving a reality to their dreams. She's also the host of the video podcast, Reset with Raven, where she, along with guests, share their strategies, how they use to successfully navigate reset in their career, life, and business. Raven's coaching, teaching, and speaking provides listeners with a masterclass on how to reset with clarity, confidence, and boldness. Today, we will be discussing shifting your mindset and career changes. Hey, Raven, how are you doing? Hello, Val. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to have you here today. I'm so excited to jump in and talk about all these super important topics, especially with everything going on in this crazy world. But to just get started, please take some time and introduce yourself to the show. All right. As you stated, I am Raven M. Harris, and I am located in Georgia. And I like to call myself the dream activator. I work with people to attach a reality to their dreams. I believe that we are all born with massive dreams, but somewhere in life, I call it life happens, we get off track. And it is my goal to help place you back on track and to help you make sure your dream becomes a reality. Amazing. And just so we can just sort of jump into this, what made you go into all of these areas, you know, to start your own sort of company, become a founder? Because previously you had worked in the health sector. That is correct. And trying to figure out how to give like the cliff notes version of that long story. So (laughs) I like to say that I've always been someone with massive dreams and, and big goals and ideas. And I'm from a small rural town in Southwest Georgia. And growing up, my dreams didn't feel like they could become a reality. There was a lot of, I would call like outside noise, negative chatter, naysayers, all of the, it's too hard, it's impossible, who do you think you are? All of that, whether it was something I heard internally or externally, that really made me not feel that my dreams were something that I was capable of. And I pursued other career paths, which was in healthcare administration. And though that was meaningful work, I didn't feel fulfilled. I felt empty. I felt like, hey, this is not, I always knew like, this is really not your real goal. This is really not what you dreamed of, what you desire. And what I believe about dreams is they keep coming back. They don't go away. It's almost like your North Star, like your compass. And it it keeps returning to to make you say, hey, you, you know, you're still not in alignment. This is still not what you're supposed to be doing. And I felt that I was, I call it like existing and not really living. And this time last year, I was a healthcare executive in a hospital and seeing, you know, firsthand in a, in a healthcare environment, the chaos, the uncertainty, the death, it made me start to think about my own livelihood. It made me start thinking about 
doing something that was impactful for me. And it made me think about my own legacy and my dreams kept coming back. And I think when you're in an environment or around people who are at the end of life and are on are in a place where they know their time is is very limited. It really makes you start thinking about time and how we only given a, a short amount or a finite amount of time and how are you using it? And for me, what kept coming up is all of these dreams and goals and ideas that I had. And I knew for sure if I continued along the career trajectory and the path I was on, those dreams wouldn't even have been a possibility. And I was very, very fortunate to be around a lot of other young professionals, as well as I was in an environment of a a multi-generational workforce where there were people who were in their 50s, 60s, 70s, who were like, woulda, shoulda, coulda. You know, I wish at your age, I would have had that confidence. I wish at your age, I would have done something different or tried something. And I remember thinking like, I don't want that to be me. This cannot be my life. One thing I just have to ask though, I think it's quite necessary. I think it's it's unfortunate that I have to ask the question in some ways, but do you think that you would have made this shift if it weren't for, well, in this unfortunate example, the pandemic? Do you think you would question that about yourself? You know, you had previously said, I felt like I was existing, not living. I don't. And it's one of the things that I'm actually grateful for. The The pandemic was a moment or a time period of awakening for me. It was where I felt like I got an epiphany or I use a term like downloads where Hey, this, this, this is real. This is this life. You know, you hear the, you know, the young people say YOLO, you only live once. It (laughs) really, it really resonated with me more than ever before. And also to the work environment that I was in, though I knew I was doing meaningful work, there was a lot of things about the environment and the culture of the company things that I did not personally align with. And I'd worked in other environments similar to this. And I was like, okay, Raven, now it's up for you, up to you to decide, okay, what's your next? And if you want to you know, make a change, it's one of those things about being the change. And that's why it's super important for me to be able to, I, I really feel it as like me giving back, me being a servant leader, working with organizations on enhancing and elevating the leaders within their companies. Because I was like, you know what? There's some things that you where you saw some gaps and you saw some opportunities. Rather than not like it or complain about it, be a part of the change. Yeah, I think that's a that's a tough a tough statement actually, because it's like missing opportunities within like you have these leaders that are just sitting on this precipice who just by default, if they had the opportunity, could rise up and almost probably transform organizations within. I mean, I've worked in startups now, uh, three of them to be specific, and spoken with friends who have also done the same. And I've heard so many times, you know, oh, if I had just had this opportunity, I could have made this difference. And then I'm like, you know, the first natural instinct, like every other human is like, but why did you let that stop you and not do it? And then it was 
No, but I never had the infrastructure to do so. I never felt supported and everything like that. And when you were talking earlier about, you know, there were naysayers and everything, and we even had this discussion when we had first spoken about the fact that people, I think they would change their mindset more often if they had a more su- supportive, nurturing environment directly in front of them. Not to say that everyone's, you know, family, friends is bad, but most times when you tell people and it's maybe a little bit of a crazy dream or a high far away dream they're like are you sure that's what you want to do (laughs) you know take that risk or take that sort of challenge I think that's people's first thought but this makes me question because you just said such a so this impactful statement about leadership within but how do you think that shifting your mindset is defined you know you made this mind shift change you went from I don't want to be existing I want to be living how do you think that can be defined in a general sense more from everyone else's perspective as well Well, one of the things that comes to mind is belief. I believe what you believe you build and what you doubt you delay. And when your internal belief in self or your internal belief in your idea or your dream is so big, it quiets the naysayers. It quiets the doubt. And that is something, I think that's a daily journey in terms of working on you and working on your your belief structure. And I like to say, when it comes to being able to execute on your, your dream, you have to dream, believe, and then build. But oftentimes we have the dream But that belief is where there's some opportunity. That belief is where it's often wavering. And you really have to anchor into that. And what do you do? One of the core things is really to protect your energy, protect your environment, protect who you allow to speak into you and and what you allow around you. I think when you have a dream or you have an idea, you have to protect it. And you you can't allow everyone to even be aware of it because there are people that will stomp on it. There are people that will project their insecurities, their doubt, their woulda, shoulda, coulda on you. So one of the key things, and I, and I definitely say that's one of my core values when I work with people is I'm your trusted advisor. I'm someone, you know, you you can confide in about that dream. And we work together and partner together to make that dream become a reality. But I think the biggest thing is when you have a major or massive dream is protecting the dream. Because if you allow anyone and anybody to talk to you about that dream or to speak on that dream, people will poo-poo on your dreams because they didn't go after <laughs> their own dreams. I Yeah, I can definitely see that. I think what is sad is that I have this goal planner and it says, you know, someone is 42% more likely to achieve their goals if they have it written down. And then on another level, it says that you are then 70, 72% more likely to achieve that goal if you tell a friend or family member. So it has like this double-edged sword, right? It's like, 
I'm more likely from a statistical standpoint, obviously statistics on everything. Otherwise everything in this world probably wouldn't have happened if it's by that chance. But then it's like, if I tell my friend, I'm more likely to achieve it. But also I have this risk that if I tell someone who may not protect that dream or goal, they can ruin it for me. And then I become self-dieting, you know, insecure, what have you, everything that you just listed. So it definitely feels like maybe if someone isn't able to speak to you, that maybe they can develop that for themselves, you know, look into your community, look at your circle of peers and say, you know, who can I really leave this with? And maybe at the beginning, it's just a journal. Maybe you can just write it down or you have it on a vision board or you have it like typed out on your laptop or everything like that. So I think that's something that you can do in the beginning. But I want to I want to challenge you a little bit, Raven, if I can. How do you think people could do that if they come from a circumstance where they don't have resources to have someone like you to partner with or they don't have a big community and they are from an underprivileged environment or anything like that? What do you think that they should do to chase those dreams and goals? What I've shared with just someone recently is how can you challenge yourself? What bold move What bold action can you take that's outside of your comfort zone, that's outside of maybe people you're typically exposed to? Who do you see that's doing something similar to what you want to do, what you desire to do, and reach out to them, whether it's through LinkedIn, email, social media, for an informational, for a conversation. what? And if you can't get that person directly, do they have books out? Do they have podcasts out? Do they have blogs and articles out? How can you surround yourself in that person's ecosystem or that particular topic or industry's ecosystem? Because I believe there's, there's, there's a law of attraction, force, that when you really are diving head into something, you'll start having some of that attraction, even if it's not someone like when I think of some of the, the, the goals and the dreams I have, I don't know these people yet. I don't know that industry yet, but how can I attach or align myself with people in that industry? What conferences can I attend? What books can I read? Yeah, one of the things that I would love to hear more on is obviously you've given great examples. Do you have any real life examples that you can maybe share with some of the clients you've maybe worked from or stories you've heard that people can just gain some inspiration? Yes. So one of the people that I'm currently working with is in the trucking industry. And currently they drive trucks, but they'd like to be an owner operator. And be owning a truck, especially a new truck, there a new truck will co- cost you at least a hundred thousand. Then of course you need to have your DOT Department of Transportation licensing. Then you also need to have your authority. You need to have um, you need to have your different insurances, numerous things. And I'm not into the trucking industry at all. It's not my space. However, the particular person is like, you know, I really want to do this. I want to be able to shift from being um, a driver to being an owner operator, but I don't have the contacts. I don't have the resources. 
to invest yet. And I'd also too, I'm wondering what does my credit score need to be to be able to get my loan from a first truck? And I said, well, who do you see that has a trucking company or is doing exactly what you want to do? And they named off two or three people. I said, why don't you reach out to all three of them on Instagram? Only one of the three responded, but guess what? They granted them a 20 minute informational call. So now I said, and come, come equipped to this call. So they were asking them, you know, what loan company did they use? How did they first get started? Anything that I should know as someone that's trying to make this transition. And I said, make the most of that 20 minutes. And the person left with like pages full of notes. So rather than this, well, what do I do? I'm not sure. How do I start? Now you have someone, this particular person is a multi-million dollar owner operator of a fleet of trucks out of the Atlanta, Georgia area. And you just had a conversation with them. So it's it's no longer, I'm, I'm confused about this, that, or how do I do this? I, now you just got firsthand information for someone who successfully started their own trucking company. And everyone's not going to respond. I think that's another thing too, that even as a business owner myself, that I've had to become more and more comfortable with rejection. Because notice I said only one out of the three actually responded. Yeah. But is it rejection or is it also respecting that person's boundary by respecting their time? Maybe it's not that they didn't want to speak to you, but they just didn't have the capacity to speak to you. Obviously, there will be some that reject, right? But it's also, so for example, there's a very famous CEO in the UK. His name is Ben Francis. He's the CEO of Gymshock, which is like the UK competitor of Lululemon, Adidas and Nike, all these companies. And he does this with local business owners in the UK where he takes time to show them, you know, how do I operate? How do I scale teams? How do I focus on culture? And one of the things he said, you know, this is really important because it's a way to give back to people and to businesses. But on the other hand, I also have to respect my own calendar and my own schedule and say, you know, I want to do this. I just don't have the capacity to do so. So I have to find in other areas how I can help those people. But as you say, naturally rejection will come. There will be people who just don't want to help, which is neither good nor bad. That's just their decision. But there will also be people who do it just out of the fact that they have to respect their own boundaries. If things are chaotic and after this year, I'm sure for many businesses it is. What do you think? I like that. You know, I, I consider, you know, the, the perspective you just shared as reframing it, that it's not always that the person has. Perhaps. Malice. Yeah, it's not <laughs> always that they have malice intent. They may just be respecting their own boundaries. I would I would bring the viewpoint, though, it's often received or it feels like rejection, whether that is Absolutely. truthful or not. But when someone doesn't respond to you or limits or denies your access, it feels like rejection. That that person, to your point, may have other obligations. That that person may be at the point where any type of 20-minute consultation, there's a fee for that. That just may be the way the way they are positioned in their business currently or in their life. And they have to make sure, as you said, they protect their own time, their own environment their own and have and have the the best 
work-life integration that works for them. So I completely understand that. What I think is the receiving party, though, it often feels, though, that I'm being ignored, rejected. So it's definitely great to reframe it and to look at it that way. But I think that's often how we receive it. No, I, I completely agree. I'm not saying that when you're receiving it, but I think it's also like most things, people just assume negative intent, whereas some people just don't have negative intent at all. And I think intention is is everything. Like if that person didn't mean it in that way, but of course, if you just didn't reply, you're going to assume, okay, they just didn't have the time of day for me. But I think it's also, you know, for every no that you get, isn't it also that you're one step closer to the yes? Because for all of those three, right? That person had to go through two no's to finally get to the yes. But after that, it was one step closer to getting that yes. I, I sort of have that same mentality when I have friends who are really struggling for for getting a job, let's say, right? Their goal is to get hired by a particular type of company and they've gotten rejected 50, 100 times, 150 times. And I'm like, I understand that it's frustrating. It's an anxiety invoking situation. It's all of these things. But try and look at it as it's one step closer to the yes and you're not rushing into a decision where it's like, oh, I felt like I, I took this company or I, I chose this job or I made this decision. I went on this trip just based on the fact that it was the only one that said yes. Because that's also different, right? You, you want someone to say yes, but you don't want just anything to say yes. You want the one that makes you feel good and, and motivated. So it can also pull you that from that perspective that I'm not, you know, I, I'm living I'm not I like just existing. That yeah, I love that point. And there's a book. I actually just uh, added it to my Kindle last night. Have not started reading it. And it's called Go For No. Yes is the destination. No is how you get there. Yeah, so I'm so sense. glad yeah. you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> because I think we have to look at no's is maybe it's not the right time, the right person, the right environment, the right energy. There's so much that it's like, okay, well, go ahead and get your first hundred no's so you're closer to your yes. And I like to look at, and and I've had to choose to take this perspective, by the way, that, okay, well, no, that's okay. That's just all. Sometimes it's a request for more information. Maybe they didn't understand the ask. Maybe they didn't understand the question. And also too, what's the growth? What's the lesson? in all of this, you know, and, and even if you're having conversations with people or applying for jobs, what have you, if the other party is open to it, I think it's great to ask, Hey, I'm just curious. Uh, when it came for me, came to me applying for this role, what eliminated me or what um, did you see about the other candidate that was a more ideal fit for the role? I think it's just information too. Or, you know, what was, was it my interview? Was it my skill sets? What about it? And sometimes the thing, sometimes it'll be like, you know what? This person was already an internal candidate. So it had nothing to do with you. It's that they already worked here. So, so many different variables can be going on. And I think knowing, knowing to how to ask that question, like as a follow-up and also recognizing, you know what, you know, if it's not, for me, it's not for me. And if it's to be, it will be. But sometimes it's just, you know what, this was not the right time, right fit, right place. And I like to say, go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. So I'm I'm looking forward to the environment or the place or the organization 
that they've been like, Raven, we've been waiting for you. Yeah. And I think this is coming more and more prioritized, especially after all of these changes within the working environment from the pandemic and such. But just two points, the most recent one when you were saying, you know, let's ask why were you rejected or why were why were you not passed to the next stage of the, the process for, for whatever that may be. Maybe you're trying out for a play or maybe you, you know, maybe you went on a date and it just didn't go well. And one of the examples that I really like, that's a new change. It's a very different strategy to approach things is that I have a friend who's a CCO of a company. And when he finishes the recruitment process of his company, like for any role, for those who've made it to a particular stage, let's say it's the case stage where they have to prepare a business case and present it. If you make it to that stage and you don't get hired, he sends you the hired case example and says this is what we were wanting you to deliver this is how you can develop in that role to one day maybe get hired by us and I think that's brilliant actually because it gives you a real life example of where did I miss how can I develop and not only come from a place where I'm not only as you were saying not tolerated but I'm celebrated because I do feel you know maybe if you're living in a city where you don't feel celebrated there is always that possibility to move, to to do something, to change that environment that goes from one from not tolerated to celebrated. And that can be, maybe it's moving five miles away. Maybe it's moving out of state. Or if you're not in the US, maybe it's moving to a different country or a different continent. Everything and anything between that you feel comfortable, one step at a time. I mean, there's of course people, as I'm sure maybe you know, maybe you have friends like this, Raven, who've never left the state or never left their own city limits. But to just start off small by saying, you know, what do I want? And that's a question that I think a lot of people get scared by. And that's why I think the shift in mentality or the shift in mindset is so important. Because if you actually look at it from the perspective of, am I celebrated, not tolerated? Is this is this where that happens? Have you had any sort of, I don't know, maybe friends or family who finally summoned up the courage to, to leave the state or, or anything like that? Yes. And when I think about the celebrated versus tolerated, I think about organizations. I think about employers and how does an employer become the employer of choice where yeah, great example. people yeah. love that culture, love the environment. And I think that's excellent that when you were talking about your colleague who actually gives feedback, I think if someone has invested a significant amount of time in a recruitment or interviewing process to give that feedback, that is powerful. So now the person knows, okay, here's maybe where I missed the mark. Here's some things that I can work on. And I think that's something I'm glad that you're seeing that more from a recruitment, human resources um, environment, because so many times people apply to jobs and go through significant um, amount of interviews. I actually was just talking to someone who had six interviews and the process was about a two and a half month process. And then they were not selected and to not hear anything back, to not receive any feedback and to have gone through such an extensive process. It was a really poor reflection on the organization. Because that candidate put all of that time into putting their best effort into interviewing and had gotten pretty far in the, in the candidate pool process. 
and then to not hear anything back. So then you're left wondering, like, well, well, what's wrong? Or how did I miss the mark? So that that's excellent. And yes, I definitely have seen it. And I love sports when we when we were talking about going where you're celebrated and rather than tolerated. And you see that so much in, in especially as you know, the world is preparing for the Olympics right now at the time of this recording, where a player will do okay on one team and then go to another team and be a superstar because they're in an environment with a team, a coach, a company culture where they're celebrated, their skill sets are uplifted. So you definitely see a lot of that when it comes to different work environments, as well as you can see it a lot in sports because you're like, hey, I never heard that player. And it's like, how is he all of a sudden so good? And it's like, it's not necessarily that he's exceptionally better. It's just that this environment is the best for his skill sets. And he's able to showcase them as well as work well amongst this team much better than he was in previous environments. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, there's so many different examples of that. And I also think that it also could be different situations lead to different outcomes. Maybe you were once celebrated and now you're only tolerated. I think in an, a very unfortunate example of this is that last night it was the final of the European Championship. For for those of you who don't watch football, it was Euro 2020 final, Italy versus England. And when England had lost, the English fans turned on their own team and started, you know, acting out forms of racism and attacking Italian supporters and everything like that. And it ruined the whole atmosphere. I mean, the tournament was so celebrated because, you know, we went through this whole period of being unable to go watch live events, unable to support our countries and unable to really feel that football atmosphere. And now came something that provided so much joy to so many that a very selected few turned into something that was so celebrated to now almost barely tolerated. So I think that was extremely disappointing from that sort of angle. But I definitely agree. There's so many different sporting situations. I mean, in football, you've seen it so many times where at a team, maybe the person wasn't performing well or anything like that. I think one that comes to mind, maybe some people will agree, is Gareth Bale. He's a player that played for Tottenham Hotspurs, moved to Real Madrid, wasn't, I think, as loved as he was expecting or supported in that environment, then went back to Tottenham Hotspurs and now is doing much, much better. And I think you have those comparisons in like Major League Baseball or the NFL, the NBA, what have you. So I think, you know, there's always similarities that you can draw or sort of examples. I don't know if you you watch football at all, Raven, but that is what happened last night. So Italy won the Euros. You just you just educated me. I'm listening. No, I I, I have to. I've, I'm more of a basketball and tennis person. So yeah. no, I have to up my my knowledge on on football. Yeah. No, but I mean, there's all these sort of different circumstances. I'm sure I can think of one sort of in the NBA. I think you know, there's always these players that maybe sometimes miss that mark in certain environments and then they move cities and you just see this player that was, you know, doing pretty okay before and now completely flourishes. I think maybe oh, LeBron yeah, I think think of so many. is a good example. Yeah. yeah, LeBron is a great example because when he was in Cleveland the first few years, he was unable to uh, get a championship. Another person who comes to mind, I used to live in Houston, 
is James Harden. James Harden. Yes, great example. Yeah, James Harden used to come off the bench when he was in Oklahoma City. And then he went to Houston and he won MVP. He's like one of the greatest. And, and it's interesting how on one team, you were a bench player. And now on the other team, you're the leader, you're the captain, you're MVP. It's just very interesting to see the development and to see how the change in, in environment, change in circumstances, so many different variables really can give people an opportunity to really highlight and showcase skill sets that they probably already had. But just being in the, I just feel like sometimes being in the right environment with the right people can make a world of, of difference. Yeah, absolutely. And especially if it comes together in this team setting, right? I think that's really what it boils down to. If you have this group of people that is all supporting and it's like, you have to be better, but we all as the collective also have to be better. This doesn't only sit on your shoulders. And I think one parallel to give sort of a another draw of an example is if you look at Cristiano Ronaldo, arguably the best player in football, some would say Messi, in my opinion, it's him. But if you look at him, I mean, he took Portugal in, if you take it back to the the previous Euro Cup, he took a country that was so dependent on his success and he rallied the other 10 players and he said, you know, I'm here, but we win together. I don't win this alone. I win this with 10 other people on a pitch. And it just so happened that in that final, he injured himself and it truly was other people winning it for him. So, you know, it's this area where he also has to exemplify that you're not only tolerated because I'm on your team, but you are celebrated because we do it together. So I think all of these different parallels, you know, changing that mindset of, you know, I won't live up to this people. I don't know, if, for example, in the US, how many people feel that way if they, for example, play on the team with Tom Brady. I don't know if that's the same circumstance, but definitely could be. But I think if we, you know, take it in those ways, what do you think everyone who is sort of looking for a change should change? Is it, you know, career? Is it city? Is it mindset? How do you know what is the thing to change? I think that's a very big question as well to know. Oh, wow. I'm trying to think of what is what is the answer to that. I, I really think it starts internal. I think it starts internal. I would agree, yeah. I really think that quiet time, journaling, reflection is where you start to get some of those answers of what, I think, first of all, you have to identify what feels out of alignment, what feels awry, what feels not right for you. And then once you identify what that is, then I think you can start working on, okay, well, what's the source of that? What's like the RCA, the root cause analysis for that? And then decide what are your options for changing that? I think the biggest thing though, when we're trying to figure out what change needs to happen, we haven't identified like what's the actual root cause? Why, you know, why am I feeling like this? Why am I feeling like this? Then what's causing this? Then what can I do to make a change? I think identify that clear that clarity first on okay, how am I feeling? Why am I feeling this way? And then those next 
sequential steps will really guide you on whether or not you need to change, like you said, environment, careers, jobs, that type of thing. Because I think sometimes too, you'll find that maybe you need to change industries. Maybe you need to change verticals. Maybe you could do the exact same thing in a different industry or in a different place or in a different city. But I think you go with you anywhere you go. So if you're changing cities or changing jobs or changing locations, that's why I think it starts internal. You're still, you're still you. So if you're not working on you and evolving and becoming the best version of yourself, no matter if you change cities or change industries or change partners, if you're not working on you, you will always still go with you in every you know, different environment or different situation. Yeah, I think just to elevate on that point, because I think it was so good. I do this at work as well. When I meet with teams and stuff and I really want to understand, everyone can list challenges or sort of pros and cons really easily. Cons is quite easy for people. But I think when you list the challenges, once you've assessed what is the challenges, let's say there's top 10 challenges, review them and say, you know, is this a symptom of a larger problem? Because then you can boil it down and say, these are the two biggest problems, but these are the symptoms of that problem that I experience. Because then you not only acknowledge the greater problem, but you're also taking into account that you're reflecting on the wider issue. You're allowing yourself to be heard. Maybe it's to yourself. If you're writing it down, maybe it's to yourself. Maybe it's with a friend. Maybe it's with family. Maybe it's with your boss, whoever. But if you give that time to fully evaluate, you know, this is my problem, this is my symptom, and then compare it to the pros of saying, you know, what do I enjoy about it? Because as you were saying, maybe it's just in a different industry. Maybe it's at a different company, or if it's, let's say you like playing football, but you just don't like playing with the the rec team that you're playing with. Maybe you just need to find another team. Or maybe you feel, you know, the way that you're cooking or, or, or achieving your fitness goals isn't the right way. So then you reassess and you say, you know, I'm not going to do tennis. I'm going to do paddle tennis. All of these little different things, but giving your time to actually evaluate what is the problem, what is the symptom, so you can see what really is the thing that's bothering you so you can get to that true source. I don't know, Raven, if that's how you do things, but for me, I found that that has been really, really helpful. It is. And I think that one of the words you said about reevaluation That is one of the core pieces to when I talk about resetting is it's almost like pausing to speed up. And oftentimes we don't evaluate the situation. We jump into something else. And there's a TED talk and it's called Authentic Inaction. And it talks about people who are just doers, 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 doers but doers with no intentionality or specificity. And I think it's super important when you are going through a transition or as I like to call it, a reset, that one of the key and core and first things you do is reevaluate. Let me just evaluate everything that's going on and just collect some data before jumping into something or before making an assumption that may not be true. Yeah. And I think it's also always about building that sort of confidence and you can be someone 
who has zero confidence. And that can be a result of other people putting you down. It can be insecurities. It can be because of failures and everything like that. I think we also, as a general society, need to reevaluate the way that we look at failures and more take it into the context of that was a learning. I learned, let's say I have this ambition to become a professional skateboarder. I learned that the way not to do something was by falling completely on my face, (laughs) hopefully not breaking anything. But that was the way that I learned. That was really the way that I had come to know how to not do certain things. And that's sometimes, as you were saying, you know, the power is in the journey of the no. It's I realized how not to do something so that when I did it, I knew it was sort of the right way or this was the the way to do something right so everyone sort of needs to take on that sort of challenge of saying you know how do I build that confidence within myself with what I'm doing with knowing what to reevaluate and knowing what the true problem of what I'm faced with I don't know Raven how do you sort of look at that confidence because that's really something that I think would be quite powerful is having all of that and saying you know I know what I don't want to do but here's let me think about what I do want to do and start to try and figure that out You know, one of the things that, again, has been super helpful for me is journaling and noticing patterns. (laughs) Yeah, and noticing patterns in my journaling, like what keeps coming up. And I think that goes back to, you know, we're bringing it full circle right now back to the dreams. What ideas continue to come up for you? And that helps me in, in terms of figuring out what to do and what I am interested in and what I'm naturally drawn to. When it comes to, you know, it was interesting, I almost chuckled when you said that when you're in an environment, people are, are quick to be, to list all of the cons or what's not going right, but how are we solution oriented? And I think typically we default to the negative. And I think having that time for some reflection, for some like what that that quiet time of like, what would be the best next step? And as you were talking about failures, even reframing it to feedback, like it's not a failure, it's just feedback. And now I know what doesn't work or now I know how not to do that. I think for me, I always say like, I've learned a lot of things the hard way. However, the, the, the diamond in that is that anything that I learned the hard way or where I fell on my face, oh, I'll never forget that. It's like, well, you won't get me <laughs> yeah, again. I can, you yeah, will I can not get me again in this same arena or scenario because it was such a hard fall it's like burned in my memory. So yeah. that that's kind of like the, the, the blessing in disguise about learning things the hard way. And I think, again, going back to, to something I was referencing earlier, the, the value in having a mentor, a trusted advisor, someone who's been there, done that, they can help you often step over or skip over a lot of the the heartache, the hard falls. So maybe even if you do fall, it's not as much of a hard fall and you have a reference 
for someone who's gotten back up again, or you have a reference of how to successfully navigate and successfully reset if you do face, or not if you, when you do, because we all face adversity. So when you do face that adversity, now you have a a point of reference of, okay, well, this person, you know, had a, had a difficult um, experience as well. Here's how they were able to navigate that. Or here's someone who, you know, got knocked down 10 and they got up 11. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think just three things there. The power of journaling is something that I've always talked about throughout the podcast show. And I think a a tip for everyone, if you want to get into it, buy a really nice journal or, and I mean, maybe it's not even buying, use your laptop, whatever works for you. But I found that if you make it something that you genuinely want to come back to, that it's that attracting thing, you will do it. It's like some people maybe need a nicer gym shirt when they go gymming so that they feel the motivation to go gymming. If that's something that is resourceful for you, you don't need the best equipment to journal or anything like that, but make it something that you know you'll be attracted to and want to come back to time and time again, because that's where it works off. It's not that you write in your journal one day and everything is solved and you've you know, created the biggest revelation of your life. That's not really how it works. Unfortunately not, but really make it something you want to come back to and, and really want to dive deep into. So I think that's definitely something as well. And then the second is also, you know, reading a lot has really empowered me and talking with people to try and get through all of these things really takes, you know, pushes you to that next boundary so you can feel motivated to make that change. And as Raven was saying, with the the learning and the failing and the, or the sort of feedback loop that life has given you, I read this extremely interesting article that said, you know, Some people don't think that if we stopped all bad things happening in the world, whether great or small, if that would actually be a good thing, because not to say that, you know, countries should go to war or anything like that. But if you didn't have frustration or inconveniences or these things that made you learn and life gave you its general feedback, that you would ever feel motivated to grow or to to know that you need a change or ever have that internal discussion with yourself. And I think to an extent, it is very, very true. Raven, what do you think? Because when I read that, I was like, yeah, I don't know if the some things happened to me in life. I would have still been like, okay, that I need to change about myself. This is something I want to work on for the better of everyone around me. Yeah, I think this again brings it full circle to when you were saying, had you not been in a yes, healthcare true. environment and and seen, you know, death, end of life, would you have made a change? So while that was traumatic, it was eye-opening. And I think that is even when we use the term failure, I use failure in air quotes, but when you experience disappointment or as I referenced earlier, rejection, whatever, or obstacles, if you use that, as information and then you use that as like what can I learn from that it often creates a change in you it often creates like hmm it 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 makes you question some things it makes you question am I living or am I existing it makes you question am I on the right path it makes you question are you following your north star so 
rather whether we like it or not in the in the experience the adversity or the the rejection or the the obstacles typically nine times out of ten we don't like it no one no one likes uh, negative experiences there's often a, a deeper lesson if we listen yeah. and if we take the time to learn and now just to round off the show sort of a a <laughs> A question I'll ask, and if maybe you can describe it in one word. So you've now made this change. You are the, you know, <laughs> the dream activator. What is one thing in one word that you would like to achieve with the, with being the dream activator for others? Impact. Impact. Okay. Why? I think that to be able to impact someone else's life, their dreams, their belief of what's possible is one of the highest honors that anyone can have. For someone to say, hey, because of you, Raven, I went after my dreams because of the conversation I had with you, because of listening to this podcast, because of being mentored by you, the impact that I will be able to create create is massive because you create ripples. When you pour into someone else's life, when you water someone else's seed, the harvest will be plentiful. No, that's absolutely true. What an impactful statement to leave the show on. <laughs> so awesome. But thank you so much, Raven, for joining remotely on the Everything With Val podcast. If people want to chat with Raven from the Reset With Raven podcast, where can they find you? How can they, you know, maybe have their dreams activated by you? Yes, I'll give the three top ways to connect with me. Number one is LinkedIn. Let me know that you listen to the Everything with Val podcast, and that's how we met. I'm Raven M. Harris, comma, MHA on LinkedIn. The second is my website, which is activatethedream.com. That's where you can connect with me and see all of my social accounts, as well as book a complimentary discovery call. And then the last place that I recommend people to connect with me is on Instagram. Definitely tap in with me on Instagram. Let me know that you heard this podcast. And I love having conversations and connections with people. And it is my goal to be an impact in your life as well. Amazing. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of the Everything About podcast. I encourage you all to please rate, review, subscribe to the show. And as always, please connect with me and let me know if there's anything you want me to discuss. I hope you have a great week. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Thank you so much again, Raven. Until next time. Thank you, Val. Bye-bye.